September 18th, welcome to the South Okanagan Event Center, welcome to Penticton, British Columbia, and welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe, save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe, now just $1450, or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com. Yeah, it's Steinberg and Vickers along with you here at the South Okanagan Event Center, it is... Uh, Flamestock on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Why are we in Penticton? Well, we're wrapping things up. The Flames are done at the 2023 Young Stars Classic. They wrapped it up Monday morning and early afternoon with a 4-2 win over the Winnipeg Jets, and they finished their Young Stars Classic 2023 with two wins and one loss in Penticton. With me, um, roommate and driving buddy Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. Hello, Vicks. I hope there's not a lot of pressure on being the uh, driving companion on the way back. I'm not no, going to lie. That you one's... can snooze. I'll, I'll be just fine. I appreciate you. You can just snooze. I, I, I will not be offended in any way, shape, or form. Um, flames are done at the Young Stars Classic for another year. It's been awesome to be back out here. It's been awesome to see the games. And the access is great. It's, just, it's, it's cool to see the Flames and the prospects start to lay the foundation for the season ahead and it just feels like the season is already underway and we're right back into the swing of things and the guy that most eyes on i believe and and i don't think this is universal i don't think this is uh something that is is held by everybody but i think a lot of eyes for a lot of flames fans were on matt coronado he finishes with a goal and three points in the event what do we think how do we evaluate this Young Stars Classic for Matt, who comes in to main camp with a lot of eyeballs on him and a lot of hope that maybe he can jump in and be an NHLer right from the get-go? I think he started trending in the right direction as the tournament went on. I think the initial returns, the first couple of periods for Matt Coronado was a feeling out process. It was getting back into a rhythm. We have to remember for these players on both the Flames and the opponents that this is the first real game situation a lot of them have faced since whether it be last season in Matt Coronado's case, the World Championship in May. And it's understandable that, okay, needed a couple periods to get the legs under him, get the game sense back to where it was. And I thought as the tournament went on, Matt Coronado got better and better and started delivering those things that you either have seen before if you watched him in the USHL with Chicago or in the NCAA at Harvard or at the uh, World Championship with Team USA. You saw some of the trademark and the calling cards of Matt Coronado's game grow over the duration of the tournament, and that's exactly what you'd want if you're the Calgary Flames management where use this Young Stars tournament in Penticton, this rookie showcase, to get some games under your belt. So when main camp comes, when you're practicing and playing with and against guys that have a lot of AHL experience, guys that have a lot of NHL experience, 
you've kind of got a head start on things because you've already knocked off all that rust. Right. For me, Matt Coronado did just that here and started showcasing the things that make him successful, his shot, his hockey sense, his attention to detail. And now, as curious as I was about Matt Coronado coming into this tournament, now I'm really curious to see what happens when main camp rolls around and he's playing on a line with NHL, uh, potentially NHL-caliber players, playing against NHL-caliber players. It's just a ramp-up for me in Matt Coronado's game. So I thought the way that you phrased it is is very, very similar to the way I look at it in that I thought he got better as this event went along. I thought he got more comfortable and started playing his game more consistently as these three games went along. And, and the thing that I will say is that I, I didn't like very much of anybody in that first game on right. Friday night. Well, it and it was a 7-1 loss. And, and it was a 7-1 loss. Like, it was that lopsided. Um, like, there were, you and Francis were making a bet on shot totals and shot under, under like, the shot differential. It was, it was very lopsided. But I thought in the Saturday game and the, the Monday game here, Coronado looked like a guy who was more polished than most of the players here and that's what you want to see and this is the thing with coronado i don't think that we're going to be talking very often about a guy who impresses fans with his flash and dash or glitz and glamour that's not his game coronado's game is all based on hockey iq it's all based on good positioning he's got a great shot he's a great finisher but like i don't think we're going to see a lot of nhl moments from coronado where he's dangling defensemen and and scoring between his legs no he's a guy that finds soft spots he's a guy that finds good spots in the offensive zone he reads the play well and maybe the thing that impressed me most about coronado here was his play away from the puck his anticipation is the word you used a number of times i just i liked his reads i liked the way he played in both ends away from the puck you know breaking passes up killing plays to restart cycles or to kill opposing cycles the way that he got in the way of of blue to blue passes uh up top i thought was really impressive and so I actually, this is what I said on our Flames Talk post game, which is now up wherever you get your podcasts after the Winnipeg game. I come in thinking exactly the same about Matt Coronado going into main camp after the Young Stars as I did before. I still think he's got a great shot to make the team. I still think there's a tailor-made position for him on the NHL roster. I don't think he hurt his chances or hurt his standing by anything we saw here. Do I think? Do I think that he... Uh, kind of poured rocket fuel in and, and launched himself into the conversation that much more? No, maybe not, but I thought he was good. I thought he was kind of, in the last two games, I thought he was as advertised, and I thought was what you'd want to see from a guy trying to make an NHL roster for the first time. So I thought mission accomplished here in Penticton for Coronado. And I can understand some fans or some people looking and seeing Matt Coronado, the 13th overall pick in 2021. He's a guy who scored 66 goals and 125 points in two seasons with Chicago in the USHL. And he's a guy that was an over a point per game player at Harvard. But his he's not an end-to-end flash guy. He's not uh, like in, I'll do the comparison to Brad Lambert of the Winnipeg Jets, who was the 30th overall pick in 2022. That's a guy that can wind it up behind his net and with his skating ability and his shiftiness and whatnot, can take it 180 feet to create a scoring chance. 
That's not the process for Matt Coronado. As you mentioned, he's a lot more polished, a lot more structured. His attention to detail, very rarely does he make an incorrect read or try to force a play that isn't there. He's very cerebral, very smart. You mentioned his hockey IQ. And coming out of this tournament, seeing all those details and seeing those things grow after he knocked a little bit of rust off in that first game, seeing it in game two against the Edmonton Oilers and what, for my money, was the most entertaining game of the tournament, and again on Monday against the Winnipeg Jets, to me it almost makes me more curious about or more excited about what he could potentially be because... To me, he showed at this level, and he showed it at the World Championship, and I'm not going to profess to see a lot of Harvard games, but he showed it at a fair bit at Harvard. He's a forward, even though he's a rookie, even though he's young, he's only 20. He's a guy that an NHL coach is going to trust just because of that attention to detail. And you mentioned it. It wasn't from center ice in. It was a 200-foot effort for him. You mentioned some of the defensive plays that he had. He is a player that I think Ryan Huska and the Calgary Flames coaching staff, whether he starts in the NHL whether he starts in the NHL there's still weeks to determine that but over the long term he's going to be a young player that's going to enter the NHL with a lot of trust from the coaching staff for the way he approaches the game from a 200 foot perspective we had uh, Craig Conroy on with us Monday before the Flames and Jets played that uh, exclusive conversation we, we talked a lot about a lot we set up training camp obviously the UFA's captaincy working with three goaltenders we hit all of it with Conroy on Monday morning and it's up wherever you get your podcast on the Flames Talk feed right now but I asked him about Matt Coronado and what he seen and just how he's thinking going in to main camp listen to the general manager this is craig conroy when he joined us earlier on monday when talking about matt coronado there's and and i know there's something that vickers picked up on that's really interesting to him near the end but here listen to uh listen to the gm the first game here i thought matt was not playing his game but i think when you come into a camp like this you're a first rounder you know in the a prospect tournament you're expecting to dominate this thing. There's, there's a lot of good players yeah. out there. There's guys that have played in the NHL, in the American League. They're a little bit older. They're more more experienced. And I think he settled in, and I really thought after he scored his goal the other night, like his game really got the back where you're watching him when he's in the USHL and Harvard. And, and it's going to take a little time. I mean, everybody wants instant success, and he's probably, you know, it's hard. You have your phone. Who are the top guys to watch here? Matt Coronado. You put that extra pressure on yourself. I just want to try to take as much pressure off and have him play his game and be the best version of himself going into to main camp. That goalie, that was a goal scorer's goal, though. We had a perfect view of it. You're like, he saw there was a screen. He saw the goalie was over there. He knew exactly where to put it. He's uh, He's got a knack for it. Like, there's no doubt about that when you watch him play. Well, that's what I said. I'm like, give him the puck, give him the puck. I could tell he won, and then when he finally got it, it was in the net. But you could see where he... He wants he wants the puck like that. You know, it was funny. Jerome and I were sitting watching the game, and I thought, you know, if, if we're starting to compare maybe a player here or there, I'm like, could he be like a, a Mike Camilleri, you know, with, with that shot? You know, when we, we got to play a long time in L.A. and then in Calgary with Mike, and to see he he's a goal scorer, you know. Similar kind of stature, size, frame, um, you know, if if Matt could be a, a Mike Camler, he'd be very very excited. Wow, some news that you were you were yep. sitting right there while Connie was talking to me, and you uh, what did you say? Now you can't unsee you, it. You can't. It uh, and so, so Mike, what I'm talking about is that Mike Camilleri comparison. 
Absolutely. So that goal he scored in uh, the in the Edmonton game that happened what about 25, 50 feet in front of where uh, Craig Conroy and Jerome McGinley probably would have been. And it's a very interesting comparison to me. And one I, to be perfectly honest, I didn't really pick up till till Craig said those words. But if you look at it, Mike Camilleri was a left shot. It was five foot nine, one hundred and eighty five pounds. Coronado right shot. 5'10", 195 pounds, so a little bit more bulk on him. But the way that he can fade in and out in the offensive zone and find dead areas and find places to uh, be open for his teammates to receive a pass to either fire off a one-timer or corral the puck and then let a shot go, to me their releases are really similar. Their ability to navigate the offensive zone. Uh, Mike Camilleri had a low center of gravity and was really strong at protecting the puck in the offensive zone as he was navigating it. Matt Coronado's the same. It was just one of those things where that comparison came up, and I just went, oh, now now every time Matt Cornell is in the offensive zone, all I kind of see is Matt uh, or is uh, Mike, Mike Camilleri. Camilleri. Well, and I mean, if if Coronado was a, what, 21st overall selection or whatever it was? No, no, oh, 13th, 13th. Overall, 13th overall selection. Sorry, I was thinking Connor Zeri. Um, Mike Camilleri is as a player – they're a little bit different. Camilleri is a left shot, right. and and Coronado's a right shot. But yeah, they both. Camilleri didn't really do a lot much that was flashy. He found soft spots. He finished well. He was uh, he was very very smart in the offensive zone. Yeah, if if they can get from a first round pick at thirteenth overall, a guy that can be in the 30 goal 25 30 goal range on a year to year basis, I think you'll be very happy with. Matt Coronado is a Flames fan. So I, I like the comparison, too. Um, that goal that he scored, I thought he did a nice job. He saw he saw the goalie going the other way. He saw the goalie was screened, so he put it right in the other side of the net and, again, did it from the blue line on the power play. I, yeah, I, I, I liked what we saw from him, and I like that comparison. And we'll see now how he performs at main camp. We had Ryan Huska, who sat down with us on Saturday night prior to the Oilers game. And I, and I asked him the same, not the same question, but I asked him again about Coronado and how he makes this team, how he makes the coaching staff's job difficult going into main camp. And this is what Ryan Huska, the head coach of the Flames, had to say. I think, as I mentioned with some of our other players, just bring his the best version of himself. Like, we need a, a young guy that's going to bring a lot of energy to our group. We need a guy that has the ability to um, score, a younger guy. And Matthew has that. He's got that ability. And I think the hard part for a young guy when you're trying to make a team, there's a tendency to try to do too much. And when you look at the game last night, um, that might have been the case for Matthew. Like you, you, you just want to do so much that oh, I got to show everybody that I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm yeah. ready. Um, and sometimes it, it backfires on you. So I think just, you know, taking your a deep breath and, and realizing that bringing the best version of Matthew Coronado is probably enough. Um, so we want to see him. Uh, he should be leading and he should be standing out at this event. And then when he comes into our main camp. I want him to approach it like he's stealing someone's job. And that's the mindset we talked to him over the course of the summer. And as I said to you before, we expect um, certain guys here to push for jobs, and he is most definitely one of them. So that's Ryan Huska. That uh, conversation is also wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. I thought that this was... I think you can come away from the Young Stars Classic and Matt Coronado's work and say, yep, this prepared him for main camp. I think that this is, I think he used the opportunity the way 
that he needed to use the opportunity. I think that he used these three games at the Young Stars Classic, these three games in Penticton, used them with with some high-intensity hockey and, and good competition against guys similar age ranges. I, th- I thought you got, as a Flames fan, as Flames Brass, as the organization, I think you can be confident he got out of this what he needs going into his first ever main NHL camp later this week. Yeah, it was a nice little tune-up for Matt Coronado, and I want to touch on something that Ryan Huska said. Yes. Play your game, and that's what Matt Coronado did. He didn't feel the need to go outside the box. Like There's a reason he was a top 15 pick a couple seasons ago. Uh, Calgary Flames identified the traits in him that they really liked, and I think he played to those strengths here. Yes, it took him a little bit to get going, and again, it took everybody a little bit to get going in that uh, opening tournament loss to uh, to Vancouver. But he checked every box he kind of needed to in terms of knocking the rust off, um, getting up to game speed. And again, there's going to be a whole nother jump when main camp uh, comes around here later this week. But he kind of knocked that rust off. He was able to get back to the calling cards of his game, which is his hockey IQ, uh, 200-foot game, attention to detail, all those sorts of things. So I think he's in a really good spot entering main camp because there is opportunity here for young players and he's taken step one of what will be a three or four or five step process to becoming a member of the calgary flames this season uh it's steinberg and vickers along with you we are here in penticton the young stars classic is all wrapped up for the flames the 2023 young stars classic has one more game as we're talking uh so if you're wondering at some point why there's a bunch of noise and music and um cheering and goal horns in the background we'll be doing this hour at least part of it with the conclusion of the young stars classic going on between edmonton and vancouver but from a flames talk point of view or perspective this thing's done the flames go two and one they got uh, gradually better as it went along as a team so did a lot of players and so i think that uh especially the way that first game went on friday i think that uh you're probably pretty happy if you're the Flames that it was a whole lot better um, in games two and three. I want to read you a few texts at 960-960. So I'll read you this from Dylan and Revy, who is uh, angry. Um, What on earth are you guys even watching? Coronado is about the sixth most impressive forward in the tournament. Straight up disappointing for how much he's been hyped. Klapka really stood out for me. Never been more sure of an overhyped prospect. Not being NHL ready is Coronado. Needs a season in the American League, in my opinion. Um, how does this sound as a fourth line? Klapka, Ruzichka, Dewar, big, physical, fast, and underrated skill. Fourth line that can score and scare. I, I didn't see it that way, Dylan. I really didn't. I I don't come away from this, as I said, feeling any differently about Coronado's game. I feel like he played the way that he needs to play here. Again, what what are your expectations? What what are you expecting him to look like? I expect him to look like a cerebral player who finds soft spots and who puts himself in good opportunities to score. He had a ton of scoring opportunities Saturday against Edmonton and scored once. He had a few in this game Monday. I thought he played well away from the puck. I don't know. I I, I didn't uh, I I didn't see it like that at all. And I don't think he's being overhyped. I think we're hyping him as a guy that can maybe be a middle six scoring threat 
on the the on the team this year. And you know what? A second line right winger in the NHL, maybe power play guy in the NHL is kind of the way that he projects too. So I don't think we're overhyping him and and I don't think that he had a disappointing event at all. That's just my that's just my call though or or, or my what I saw. Well, and I just want to reiterate he his style isn't necessarily flash and dash. So if you didn't see him corral the puck behind Calgary's goal, cut through the neutral zone, beat three defenders and set somebody in for a backdoor tap-in pass, well, that's not his game. He's not a guy like Brad Lambert, as I mentioned before, or a Nikita Chibrikov who has sort of that uh, substance and style to his game. He Matt Coronado is much Pet- more... Uh, Petrov and Edmonton Petrov has and that. Edmonton yeah. has that as well. Yeah, I was big on his tournament as well. Um, Matt Coronado's game is is more cerebral. It's more thinking. It's more finding areas to get open in the offensive zone. It's more facilitating plays that will eventually end up in the back of the net. And, again, it's finding... Craig Conroy told me early in the tournament that, and this isn't to compare him to Jerome McGinley. And, again, I really like that Mike Camilleri uh, comparison instead. But he said, watch for Matt Coronado, his ability to fade in and out of the play in the offensive zone. He said Jerome did it. Matt Coronado has that ability as well, and I think we saw that on display. And I don't know um, if that texter happened to be in the building or not. There's one thing um, from a scouting perspective, and it, and it frustrates me more than anything because I do a lot of video scouting, is you only get to see what the camera shows you. You typically don't get to see a player on the back check identifying guys that he needs to pick up, doing some of the little right. things from center ice back to your own goal. That really helps your team, but it isn't the glory play. It isn't the flashy play. It isn't the uh, pull you out of your seat play. It's just great 200-foot hockey. And I think the calling card of Matt Coronado's game are those attentions. Is that attention to detail? Pardon me. Is the ability to help his team in his own end, not just be a a bit of a liability in an offense first and an offense-only type of player. I came away, again, not from necessarily the first game, but for the set game two and game three of this tournament, Matt Coronado's smarts and his ability to read and process what's going on around him is what I come away impressed with. Uh, this says Klapka has a chance. This says uh, Noah in Vernon. Flames uh, says, I don't think we can ignore Klapka anymore. He clearly deserves a good look for the NHL squad. I might even say more so than Coronado. I still think Coronado makes the team. He's so strong on the puck. I liked Stromgren's game, and Moren played well as well. Good weekend of hockey from the boys. Got a bright future. And finally, this says uh, Ilya Nick Kalaev surprised me. Is he a true prospect? Yeah, he's a prospect. Uh, I, I think so. He's a drafted player. He's here in North America, has been for a little while. Nikolaev's interesting. Just played his first year pro this past year, but played mostly in the ECHL. I think only played six games at the Wranglers. So the next step for a guy like Nikolaev, spend the whole year in the American League. As for Klapka, I'll say this much. I still think there's um, some... Uh, I'm trying to think of the right uh, some some rounding of his game, but I came away really impressed with him for a second straight event. I really did, and he just had his first year rookie year in the American League finish up. He had 25 points in 60 games and four goals in the playoffs as well. I'm excited to see Klapka in the NHL preseason. I'm excited to see Klapka in training camp. Do I think he's NHL ready right now? No, because I think more than anything else, he needs to continue learning how to use that ridiculous frame. 6'8", 235. More and more he learns how to use that, the closer I think the NHL conversation gets. 
but he's got some underrated skill and skill you don't usually see from a guy that size and that stature. So I'll say this much. Again, second straight young stars where Klapka was one of Calgary's best players. And now I am really interested to see what this training camp has in store for him. Yeah, he was also one of the standouts uh, of this tournament for the Calgary Flames, in my opinion. And I'm, to a sense and to a degree, I think he should have been. He does have four pro years of hockey experience under his belt. One with the Calgary Wranglers, three back in Czechia. So he is a more seasoned player that the Calgary Flames had in this uh, exhibition or showcase, if you will, whatever you want to call it, the challenge. Um, I am curious about him because he does show that blend of size and skill. You mentioned it, 6'8", 235 pounds, and I wonder if there's not another 10 pounds or so that can be put on that frame without hindering uh, his ability to get up and down the ice because he does still look a little thin out there too. Again, that's going to happen when you're 6'8". It's just the nature of physics. But I wonder if there isn't some more strength that can be put on his frame to really dominate down low. Really, we saw him here, as you mentioned. You saw that. You mentioned that one play where he beat a couple of defenders before parking himself behind the net. I wonder if that's not something he can do on a more regular basis against guys that are, you know, 24 to 35 in the NHL level, or even at the AHL level, where he can just use his sheer physicality reach puck protection skills and again that strength to just absolutely dominate down low because if he's able to do that and further develop that part of his game to me it screams bottom six nhl forward steinberg vickers along with you who are here at the south okanagan event center in penticton british columbia as the flames are done at the 2023 young stars classic that's where we are cam taylor back in the studio in calgary they're making everything happen uh and they're making it all happen from the doug lacy's basement systems downtown studio they're your local experts for basement waterproofing sump pumps crawl spaces foundation repair and radon mitigation they're all things basementy Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour continues from Penticton and the South Okanagan Event Center. Steinberg and Vickers along with you wherever you get your podcast. Uh, again, if you're wondering, uh, you're going to hear some... Um, going to hear some noises that sound like a hockey game behind us because well there's a hockey game going on behind us uh the flames are done at the young stars classic on this monday however there is one more game that is uh, still going on as we're doing this live and that's the game going on between the canucks and the oilers so don't mind that we're talking some flames as these two teams are playing uh and we know the flames want to get younger this season you know that was something that craig conroy said right from the get-go at his introductory news conference he said you know i want to inject a little bit more youth into the lineup you know doesn't want to change he's like i don't want to change the core too much but i want us to be a little bit younger and vix i think they're willing to practice what they preach here and what i mean by that is i think they're willing to let some youth challenge for spots come main camp later on this week they're going to be on the ice on thursday i think tuesdays when we'll get our training camp roster and then wednesday fitness testing on ice for the first time on thursday and I, I think they're willing to put their money where their mouth is on this one. And that's not to say they're just going to gift spots because you're 20 years old. Oh, I'm 20, so you get a – no, no, no. 
but they're going to give you the opportunity to try to earn a spot. They're going to give you an opportunity in even preseason games to, to show them that maybe you can compete at this level. And I asked Craig when he joined us earlier on Monday. So he joined us before Calgary's last game against Winnipeg on the Monday morning. And that the conversation, about 22 minutes, it's up on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts right now on the Flames Talk feed. I asked him about PTOs and signing veterans and, you know, are you pretty set with your, your training camp roster right now, or are you going to be adding any veterans? And and I just I like the way that Craig responded to it. You know, there's always you're talking agents and you're talking players, and, and but it really is about, you know, we kind of said we're going to do something. And, and as right. much as it would be easy to add a couple PTOs right now, yep. you know, I think we want to see these guys. We're going to give them the chance. The easy thing would be to add PTOs. But, again... Is that, is that the model in my mind? Probably not, no. So that that makes it sound like he's willing to practice what he preaches, hey? Yeah, I, and this doesn't surprise me. Um, again, we've heard all along since his hiring as general manager that the Calgary Flames need that youthful injection. They need that enthusiasm. They need that newness, if you will, by adding in a bunch of young players. And so the ones we've kind of earmarked, we talked about Matt Coronado, Jacob Peltre got ample time in the NHL last year, probably would have liked to get more games. Walker Dewar kind of fits into that equation. But You know you the, know, you know, know a name that he also threw in there was Connor Zary. Yes. He said that he really wants that. They're, they're going to let... They're going to give every opportunity to Zary to try to make some noise, which I thought was quite interesting too. Yeah, so you want to check out those comments in the podcast as well. And it it just follows the philosophy of what he's been saying. And if you bring in a bunch of PTOs, well, suddenly you're giving less opportunity, less ice time, less reps to some of the kids that you want to see whether or not they're actually ready for even just to start the season, never mind necessarily a full-time job, but before you can be a full-time member of the Calgary Flames, you have to make the make the team out of camp and then you've got to continue to you got to steal a jersey and then you got to continue to keep that jersey keep your spot in the lineup and by layering in pto after pto you're not really giving them the true opportunity and when wes gilbertson eric francis and myself had the opportunity to talk to craig conroy last week he was asked about okay well when when are you going to start announcing some ptos and craig was just kind of like well there, there's one that we might bring in but we really want to keep these spots open for the kids and you ran you listed the names i listed the names I think it's the right approach, and and to steal your term, he is really putting his money where his mouth is. And the other wrinkle to consider is it's not like the Calgary Flames are devoid of scouts. It's not like they don't have pro scouts in different cities that will be watching camps, will be watching exhibition games, and any of those players that are on a PTO with Team X or Team Y, well, they're still unrestricted free agents regardless of their PTO status or not. So Calgary Flames look in their own cupboard and go, oh, maybe we want to add a veteran or two to really ramp up the competition. There's nothing stopping the Calgary Flames from either dipping into the free agent pool, looking at another player yeah. on a different PTO That's and just... bringing Calgary. There's there's plethora of options. I don't know if you've seen this or not. I've seen it on the text line a little bit at 960-960, and I've seen it on social media where where are our PTOs? What is Craig doing? Bring in some veterans for – no, this is design. is completely set up by Craig Conroy to examine what the Calgary Flames have in terms of that youth that he hopes – expects maybe is curious about seeing if they can compete for a spot in camp this fall well and and that's just it like if they only bring one pto in or don't bring any in oh well and and if the young guys don't prove that they're ready if if whoever it might be pelche coronado zary klapka um 
doer. If, if none of these guys do what you expect or hope them to do, well, then you can go and sign a guy on a PTO on another team. I, mean, I remember something similar happened. Well, remember when they signed Yager? That was because young guys didn't show up and, and force the hand. They well, signed Yager. I remember I remember the year that they signed Brendan Morrison. They were like, Jesus, really not and anybody that's that's forcing their hand, let's go sign Brendan Morrison. He was on a PTO in Vancouver and they signed him. So so you always have that option. You always have the ability to to add somebody late in training camp too. Well, and even a more recent example, and it kind of works the opposite way for the Calgary Flames, but Sonny Milano was in camp with the Calgary Flames. Was that last year, this past September? Yeah, that was this and ended past up, And ended up Absolutely. signing a deal with the Washington Capitals. So it's not unheard of that just because a player is on a PTO on a team that's not the Calgary Flames doesn't mean that the Calgary Flames have to be hands-off yeah, on that player. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, okay, before we hear from Trent Cole. Trent Calls, the new head coach of the Calgary Wranglers in the American League. He coached the Flames here at the Young Stars Classic in Penticton. Uh, he'll be joining us Mondays on Flames Talk, just like Mitch uh, Mitch Love did the last couple of years. Give me one player that impressed you kind of relative to expectations that, that you come away with thinking, geez, you know, that guy was really impressive, and I wasn't necessarily coming into this expecting him to be impressive. I'm going to pick the most unsung position for this and it's the uh, defenseman that's paired with an offensive guy to kind of be that uh, second area of protection that that you go do your offensive stuff i'll worry about the defensive stuff and that's not to say that this individual is solely a defensive defenseman but i really came away liking what i saw out of yan kuznetsov his ability to as, as much as we talk about coronado and his iq and his ability to make the right reads Jan Kuznetsov, for me, made very, very, very few mistakes, and he ate a lot of minutes in this tournament, mostly paired with uh, Etienne Morin, and just his ability to, to squash plays at the blue line, his gap control, his breakouts, and, and just his overall passing and puck-moving and facilitating game. I didn't see necessarily a whole lot out of him from the offensive blue line in, but what I saw from the blue line back to his own goal man did i really like this player and i'm not suggesting that he's going to necessarily compete for one of the six spots or one of the seven spots on the calgary flames blue line in this training camp but i just came away continually impressed with what i saw out of jan kuznetsov in this uh, showcase the young stars classic i i know the flames really really like him i mean he's a guy they picked in the 2020 second round of course they like him but i i know that they really think that there is upside nhl upside with kuznetsov i'm gonna go with a guy that the flames signed this summer not to an nhl deal but to an american league deal i didn't know anything about the guy until jordan sigal at the director of goaltending and development camp we were sitting down and talking and and just before we recorded an interview and he i was just talking about you know some different goalies um we were talking about arseny sergeyev who couldn't be here because his college season is underway in the u.s but they signed two goalies to AHL deals in the summer, kind of very much under the radar, uh, Matt Radomski and Connor Murphy. And Murphy started game two and three for the Flames, played half a game in game three, full game in game two, picked up the win in both. 
I, I thought he looked really strong. And so the reason I was so interested in him is because I know how highly the goaltending department thinks of him. I know how highly uh, they, they think that there's something there. They think that they've got, that they may have found something. He's 25 years old. He just finished his college career. He spent some time in Northeastern and then the last two years at Union College. Union was where uh, Josh Juris went, if you want to um, frame a reference. He's a Hudson Falls, New York product. I, I just, I really, really liked what I saw from him. And so when I know that Jordan Sigalette in the goalie department has has a, a really good feel on a guy, and then when I see him look really good, I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep an eye on this player. You're not going to see him at the NHL level this year. You might not even see him a ton in the American League because they might be going with Oscar Dansk and Dustin Wolf for a good chunk of the season down there. But I think he's going to split time or, or kind of shuttle back and forth between Rapid City and the Coast and, and the Wranglers in the American League. And I'm, I'm just really interested to see where things go over the next couple of years with this player. I was really impressed with him, and I had no idea what to expect going in. I, I all echo a lot of that sentiment where – he didn't have to do a lot of flash and dash in his game because he was so structured, so set, was able to anticipate where the play was going, and he was just dependable back there. I really appreciated the fact that he was always square to the shooter, put rebounds in good spots. Uh, there was one goal on Monday where I thought he, he might, might want back, but overall his body of work for me was just steady, dependable, and just the sheer uh, mechanics or structure, the technical aspects of his game for me is what stood out. Uh, don't We won't spend a ton of time on it. A few honorable mentions. Siona, uh, Klapka would be two for me. Um, Are you stealing mine? Stromgren. Um, yeah, there, there's a few other honorable mentions, all things considered, uh, especially game two and three. Good stuff from the Flames at the Young Stars Classic. We're going to wrap up this hour by talking to the guy who coached them for three games, and that's Trent Cull. Uh, Cull comes to the Flames from the Canucks organization. Uh, last year was an assistant in the NHL, spent the last five seasons in the American League coaching the Utica Comets. Now he's coaching the Calgary Wranglers in the American League Three games behind the bench with the Flames here at the Young Stars Classic. We're going to be talking to Trent on Mondays on Flames Talk, getting the latest on this farm team and the number one affiliate. I caught up with him on Sunday on an off day and uh, just kind of talked all things about his journey to the American League, the Wranglers this season, and a whole lot more. Let's hear uh, from Trent Cull, head coach of the AHL's Calgary Wranglers. Well, Coach, I just—I guess I just wanted to get a thought on, on how you are starting to settle in. It's been a few months with the organization, but now on the ice, getting to put some names to faces. Just how, how is the settling in process going for you? It, it's been good. It's been great. So just uh, me and my family got here about three weeks ago. Sorry, here as in Calgary, uh, yeah. three weeks ago. Kids in school, uh, moved into a house, you know, kind of moving across the country. So all that's been great, and they're taken care of, and now it's great to be kind of in the office at Windsport the last you know week and then just being here being on the ice that's the good stuff what do you uh, what do you think of those facilities that Windsport setup's pretty good hey it is great it's uh, we're very lucky and even uh get to go i think it's called the hall of champions where you get to see all the awards yeah. hockey canada has you know it's it's really cool it's uh, it's really uh, some things for me being new you know that like that novelty that sticker shock hasn't worn off with me yet so it's nice that we have somewhere to to kind of call home and, uh, and have a great practice facility you've been you've coached at the american league level as a head coach you've been in the nhl but now to be 
as an AHL head coach in the same city as your NHL parent club, like what what type of opportunities do you see that presenting for you and your group? I think the I mean the big part of our job is about development and uh, just being able to pool those resources of not having a team that's in a different location. So now all of a sudden you've got NHL guys that can be working with guys in the NHL one day and guys in the American League the next day. And I think that's a huge part of our job. And we're making sure that we have a good plan set up with Ray Edwards. We've talked a lot about that over the last couple of months of how to, to best utilize our resources in essence to make our players better. And uh, I think that's, for me, that's the thing that stands out right away. So and and you also get an opportunity to work with uh, the NHL coaching staff and I'm so I, I was talking to Coach Huska earlier this weekend and he's hey you guys played played together in Springfield right yeah yeah so me and Huska have a past yeah there and you know I played against Danny uh, in the IHL way back he was playing in Long Beach and then uh, and Savard I wasn't around him much he was more of an NHL guy and then me and Kale actually played junior hockey together so uh, it's uh, it's there's a lot of I guess some history there which is great and it, what I'm looking forward to as well as it actually like like husk was in the stands watching our first practice and then we were talking about a drill last night you know and something that we did and and something that we're trying to would be best for the players so it's really good to be able to sit there talk about things how we can positively affect our whole group together well and ryan ryan talked about how his first year as a head coach in the american league bob hartley called him every sunday like clockwork to to discuss things and he's like that really instilled in me kind of how important it is to collaborate you have you picked up on that it's been really uh, a collaborative effort and that's really important with the overall coaching staff for sure and just uh he's been awesome with sharing you know just like this is what we're doing you got like i came in in july uh we sat we had coaches meetings which was awesome uh and then again here just over the last two weeks we met there on the numerous times just to go through things so it's really i think it's great that we're all on the same page and i'm trying to do whatever i can to make sure that the calgary flames are being successful and it's really nice to have that in return as well from ryan so what excites you about this opportunity with a new team and a new organization especially after having been with the same organization for for such a good chunk of time uh, for me, I, I love coaching the American Hockey League, and uh, and I missed it last year. I'll be honest. I, I love being a head coach. So to come back to do this, and then the other side of it is for me, it's it's exciting to be like have a fresh start here. And I'm not sure if that's how the people of Calgary look at it, but for me it is, and that's where it is. Is Greg is coming in as a GM, Ryan is coming in as a head coach. We're coming. I'm coming as so. I think it's awesome to be part of a kind of a new movement, and then hoping we can do everything you know well together. So you talk about you know missing the American League last year. What what about coaching at the AHL level? What what uh, what kind of energizes you so much about that? I love it because you're dealing with hungry young hockey players. I mean, these guys all want to get to the National Hockey League. Very coachable kids. Uh, they're, they're great to deal with. And uh, for me, it, that's working with them, coaching them, developing them. Like uh, I said this before, but when I'm sitting at home on a Wednesday night and watching, having a beer and watching a kid play for the Calgary Flames, like that makes me feel good. That's yeah. that's my thing, you know? And so that's, we don't need thanks. We don't need whatever. But when I see guys move on, and, and that's just, I think, is awesome. And they, if they can help, Calgary be successful then that that's awesome and and that being said you get that time on an NHL bench last year what what can you take from that and then one year later you're back as a head coach at this level like what what are some of the transferable things and and things that made a might have made you better as a coach yeah well for me it's just the importance of how uh, young guys 
their ice time, what we're doing with them, how important it is to your NHL team in a, in a salary cap era. You know what I mean? It's hugely important. And there's there's different steps. Everyone develops at a different pace, at a different rate. So uh, I love that part of it. But I also know after being there how important it is for those guys to move along, get some ice time. And, and the work we do really matters down the road for the organization. Well, and that, that's because as a coach, you're – you, you know, you don't coach at this level unless you are wired to win, right? And yet, you right. also have the the development side of things. I would imagine that that kind of maybe honed in on you know the development part is part of winning at the same time, right? For sure, it is, and that's the the teeter totter that we ride. But hopefully, if we're doing a good job, that there might be some times at the start of the year where we're a little bit rocky. But I always say I, I hope that that's going to pay us back by the end of the year, you know, and so that's the focus we have to have. We have to look into the future a little bit and think a little bit forward heading as opposed to just that day by day. Hey, what it, if we're focused on just winning this game, sometimes that's where you hinder your development path. And on the other side, how winning and, and the Wranglers have been a very successful team the last couple of years. Yeah. How important can winning be to developing some of these young players? It's great. It's part of your habits. It's part of that culture that you want to create. It's part of the culture we want to create for the Calgary Flames as well. Obviously, they want winners. Uh, you know, Coach Huska had a meeting with this group a couple of days ago, and he said, I, I want guys who hate to lose. And so that's, I think that's a great statement from him, and that's certainly something that we're going to follow through with. How, is, how have you found it here in Penticton? I know you've coached here before and, and been a part of it, but on another team's side, how have you found the event here for you in, in getting to know some of the guys that, that you'll be coaching in, in just a few weeks? It's, it's great. It's just that initial, you know, you, uh, I had the, the group, like Brad Pascal did a great job. They have a, like a little player uh, bio on each player, but you're looking at a picture and you're reading something about them, but then, you know, you sit there and actually work with them, see them skate, how they move, all these different things that we're seeing as we're getting to know these guys as we move along. So, and, and the other side of it, it's great for me and my staff. Like, we get to blow the rust off. We're coaching behind. Like, yesterday, there was a lot of penalties, stuff yeah. going on, overtime, yeah. you know. Like, so it's good to get those juices going again, and, and I, I enjoy it because it's nice for me to kind of tune things up. Whether it's uh, Lucas or, or Nikolaev or Karens or, or Kuznetsov, all young guys, some who have played lots of American League games, some who spent more time in the coast last year, some who are just moving into pro hockey. What, what are the challenges for a young player 2021, not jumping into the NHL, but jumping into the American League? It feels like sometimes it can be a different challenge for a young guy. Oh, you know, well, and I, I hate to say this, but like, Everybody always underestimates the American Hockey League and uh, players. And, and what happens is if you if you do, you just get slapped in the face the first two weeks because it is a really good league. And, and I think that sometimes guys think that when they're playing, whether junior or college, oh, yeah, I might play in the AHL a little bit before I play in the NHL. Well, no, like, it's a big deal. And, yeah. and you're, you're playing against some really seasoned pros, too, who know how to play the game. So it's a big, huge learning curve. And sometimes, like sometimes when a guy can be effective his first year is great but sometimes it's just surviving the first year before you can get in there like i said everyone else develops at a different rate right so but uh that's the biggest thing i would say is the biggest shock to a lot of the young guys i think when you take a look at your group and, and how it projects and obviously there's still a training camp and and a main nhl camp but when you see the mix of youth and some of the veterans that you'll have 
what what do you like about the way your Wranglers group kind of shapes up? I, I think we're going to have to be a very hardworking, uh, disciplined, kind of very uh, close-checking team. Uh, we're not going to have those, uh, I think in the past you've had Phil, I know of coaching against Phillips and Pelche yep. and these kind of guys, and I'm not saying Pelche's up, I don't know where he's going to be, but when you're if you lose two guys like that, that is upper echelon over a point-of-game guy. So we obviously hope someone else is going to fill into those shoes, but I think for us to be successful, we're going to have to be a very tight team, very good on specialty teams to give ourselves an opportunity to be successful. How do you like the the veteran group that you'll have and, and the guys who have hundreds of pro games under their belt? Yeah, you know what? And I'm just getting to know, like, uh, Gallant, uh, Sutter. Like, I'll just tell you a quick little note about Sutter. It's funny. I get the job two months ago, and unsolicited. I, and I think I stopped at 7. And I was telling this to Brad, my boss, and I'm like, yeah, like, I said over the span of three weeks, I said I've had seven people tell me how good of a person Brett Sutter is. And it's like, and, and how great of a guy he is. This is guys who've played with him in the past, guys who've known him. And it was amazing. And I called him at the time, and, and he wasn't signed. I said, it sounds like we got to have this guy. Because, yeah. like, I've got guys telling me how good of a person he is. And for me, that's so uh, important because when the coaches leave the room, you got to make sure someone's executing that same message. And from all accounts, I've been told he is the guy. Two more for you. Don and Joe, uh, Knackbauer and Sorella, they've been here. They were here last year. How? And they've got years and years and years yeah. of coaching experience, too. Just having them here as you come in, how important has that been? It's been great. I mean, first of all, like, I talked to them this first day. Like, boys, like, you guys have been doing a great thing here. I- I'm not here to change it. There's some things that I'm going to tweak. But I love that they're here. I love that they've been so successful, and I want to be around them. I'm going to be learning things from them, hopefully the same likewise. So, But, yeah, two good guys, great at their field, great at what they do. And finally, how similar are you going to play compared to the way Ryan wants the Flames to play? I think we're going to be bang spot on. We've talked a lot about that, just making it easier for our players. Hopefully they're getting called up and it just eases their transition so they don't have to think, they don't have to like uh, worry about something different. They just get that chance to go out and play. There you go. Trent Cull, head coach of the AHL's Calgary Wranglers, spoke to him on Sunday. He coached three games here at the Young Stars Classic as now the head coach of the Wranglers. He coached the Flames here at the event in Penticton, and uh, the Flames finished the event 2-1-0. We'll be talking to Trent lots throughout the season as uh, every Monday we chat with the head coach of the American League. Uh, American League team on Flames Talk, get a little bit of farm report and what's happening with the number one affiliate. As we start to wrap things up from Penticton, Vex, a good trip to the Okanagan. It's good to be back here, man. Man, first we go to Nashville, now Penticton. Can't see where this crazy journey takes us next, pal. The uh, South Okanagan Event Center, an awesome venue. The Young Stars Classic with the Canucks, Oilers, and Jets here as well. Awesome. Uh, thanks to everybody in Penticton, the uh, the venue for setting us up and treating us so well. Um, thanks to Sean Kelso and the Flames PR staff for being awesome with us as well. Unbelievable access and, and just really awesome that we were out here. A really, really uh, a worthwhile trip to start the season season here on Flames Talk. As you know, Flames Talk is available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Cam and Taylor back in Calgary for making everything hum. Thank you very much as always. They've been your producers this hour and this hour has been the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com.